some key points that I want to bring out here today. Uh, but follow me in your Bible. We're going to go to Acts chapter number 10. And we're going to start at verse number 1 is what, where we're going to start here as we deal with these kingdom principles. And uh, speaking on kingdom lift, deposits in the kingdom. So the scripture says here in Acts chapter number 10, uh, and I'm going to go a little old school here. If you got that, everybody say amen. amen. If you don't have it, say wait on me. Okay, all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I got a few weights on me's then. Okay. Well, my weight on me's got it. Say amen. Okay, all right. I don't want you to speak for everybody now, Brother King. Okay, I think we're good. We're going to start at verse number one. It says, there was a certain. Now, I've spoken on this before, that whenever you see the word certain, you shouldn't just blow by it. Because certain means high regard. So this was someone that was of high regard. And when we read the story, you're going to find out how he was considered of high regard. Uh, so it says, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band. All right, so it's centurion. It's someone that was a commander of at least 100 soldiers. If you think of centurion, you break that word up, sin, century. How long is a century? 100, okay? So centurion, he was a leader of at least 100 people. Centurion of the band called the Italia band. The Bible says he was a devout man and one that feared God. Now, this is very special here because Cornelius is a Gentile. He's not a Jew. He doesn't have the uh, Shema. He doesn't have the understanding of hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. He doesn't have that, uh, but yet he fears God. Uh, and so not only does he fear God, but all of his house also fears God, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently, evidently about the ninth hour of the day. Now, understanding Jew culture, uh, you must start at 6 a.m. The Jewish culture starts at 6 a.m. So whenever you see the ninth hour, the, the third hour of the day, just take 6 a.m. and then add whatever that number to it. Uh, so if you take that number, some quick math people in here, what time is it? It's 3 p.m. M. That is exactly right. So it's 3 p.m. when this is taking place, the angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? He said unto him, thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now, because of this, I want you to send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. Notice that here is Cornelius praying. He prayed always, and now his prayer is being heard. His prayer is being answered, if you will, and notice that God did not give him the answer, but God said, I want you to go see a man who has the answer because the Lord is always searching for a willing vessel. A willing vessel, male or female, whoever can go share the good news of Jesus Christ. You don't know which one of your neighbors is praying like Cornelius is praying, waiting on someone like you or I to tell them, I know a man by the name of Jesus. 
that is able to deliver you from your ways of sin. Uh, even on your job, you just don't know who's praying these prayers, and that's why we also should always be praying. I want you to go see Peter. He lodges with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. But now look at what happens here, because while God's dealing with people in the church, we must have some people, excuse me, in the world, we must have people in the church that are also praying. Because if the world is seeking, but the church isn't praying, there can be no joint. There can be no union. Amen. Uh, because the world can be crying out, but if we don't have an apostolic church that is crying out unto the Lord, then God cannot perform what he wants to do in Tippecanoe County. On the morrow, as they journey, the, the scripture says uh, uh, in, in verse number nine, on the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. So what time is it here? It's noon, that's right, and he came and he became very hungry, as many of us going through this fast have been, praise God. He became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, so while they were cooking, he was smelling the chicken, the green beans and macaroni and cheese, the mashed potatoes and the gravy. Isn't it amazing when you fast? It seems like, yeah, y'all trying to shish me. Uh -uh, I need some more amens, praise God, because then I'll get through it faster and, you know, maybe... Amen. Uh, and, and, and so isn't it that amazing whenever you whenever you're fasting, they want to bring in the Oreo cookies to work and the chocolate chip cookies. And yeah, they offer and they, people walk up to you. They never offer you food. Now, all of a sudden they got cheesecake ready for them. I said, the devil is a lie. I'm going to push my fast off till tomorrow. Give me that cheesecake. No. So. <laughs> and so. Where am I at? Praise God. Verse 10, verse 10, and he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they had made ready, he fell into a trance. That means God got a hold of his mind, and he saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice unto him saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. His voice is almost sounds like a tempting voice, isn't it? Here's the voice of the Lord telling him it sounds like to do something that he knows is customary for him according to the law not to do. That's why Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. The voice spake unto him again a second time, what God hath cleansed that call not thou common. That word common there means unholy. Uh, and so it's important to see here that oftentimes God can be dealing with people and individuals that we deem to be unholy. But God is dealing with those people and we must be ready no matter what their background is, doesn't matter where they come from, we must be ready to receive them. Amen. And, and, and see, we have to remember where we've come from. No matter if you was brought up in church or not, I'm sorry. We all got some things we don't want nobody to know about. We all got certain things that we don't want to show up on this screen right here. And if it wasn't for the goodness and the mercy of an almighty God, we wouldn't be where we are. 
So no matter how, how, how big or how small you think your sin is, your small sin still would have sent you to hell. Glory be to God. I know the world categorizes sin, first degree, second degree, third degree, but God sees it as all the same degree. And all sin, unrepented sin, will send you straight to the lake of fire. So that we, we, there's no such thing in the Bible as a white lie. Mm-hmm. The Bible says all liars will find them place in the lake of fire. Uh, and, and, and so we, we must understand that. And now God is trying to get Peter's attention is that what I'm considering clean, you don't call unholy. You don't look across the street or another neighborhood and say they're unholy people. They'll never come to me because you don't know what I'm dealing with with those people. You don't, can I just dig a little bit deeper here? You don't know what, what's going on in your family. You know that family that you don't, really don't want to be around, the family that you really don't want to come into your house. You don't know what God's doing behind the scenes. And what God calls clean, we don't call unholy. That's right. That's right. Uh, and the scripture reminds us that even our righteousness is as a filthy rag. Woo. I didn't have a young crowd in here. I'll teach you what a filthy rag is. Maybe another time I, I'll tell you what that is. But it's filthier than what you think is filthy uh, if, you, if you study that out. Uh, and, and so he says our righteousness is as a filthy rag. So even the good things that we think we deserve credit for, God is saying that's nothing. Amen? Matter of fact, if we go to Titus, so we don't have to go there right now. Matter of fact, we got our Bible, so let's go to Titus. Praise God. Amen. That's why we got our Bibles. Let's go to Titus, chapter number three. Go to Titus. Okay. Let's start at verse number four. Titus 3, 4. Now I can flip through scripture real fast. So I, uh, if you got it, say amen. amen. If, you need some, if you need help, say hold on. Oh, okay. <laughs> See, folks with these iPhones and iPads, they... You know, they're they cheating on us today. Uh-huh. Titus 3, verse number 4, it says, But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration. Regeneration is born again. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly. How did he do it? Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen, amen. Going back, now let's flip back quickly to Acts chapter number 10. And I'm assuming you're yelling out the verse. All right, thank you so much. Acts chapter 10, verse number 16. If you don't have it, say, hold up, hold on. Acts chapter, excuse me, verse number 16. And it says that this was done three times and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which had, he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house. And stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged here. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him. Now, this is very important here because notice who was speaking to him and who was leading him. It was 
the spirit. The spirit dealt with him. That is very important for us to understand because the scripture lets us know that the spirit will guide us or lead us into all truth. The scripture says the spirit of truth. It will lead you into all truth. And that's why it's important to be sensitive to the spirit. See, when you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive more than just tongues. Tongues was the evidence that the Spirit was there. But once the Spirit is there, now the Holy Ghost is there to guide you into all truth. It will lead you out of areas that you don't belong in. It will lead you to areas where you need to go to. It will draw you to people that you need to connect to. And it will remove you from people that you need to distance from when you have the Holy Ghost. That's why the scripture says quench not the spirit. He's talking to the church. He ain't talking to the world because you have to have the spirit in order for the spirit to be quenched. All right. So when it's talking about the spirit that is on the inside of you, that's why you should seek and desire the Holy Ghost. And what did Titus just tell us? The washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. We should desire it. We should seek after it because we must be led by it. Oftentimes, many of the troubles that we are walking into is because we're walking into it with our own flesh. And if you allow your spirit to lead you, you would stay out of a lot of trouble. If you allow the spirit to lead you. Because if Peter didn't listen to the spirit, he would have never ended up at Cornelius' house. Because his flesh didn't want to go because he was considering it unclean. Even though God was telling what I call clean, you don't call unholy, my friend. You don't call that common. But then the spirit had to continue to deal with him and say, hey, they're here who's looking for you and it's okay. You can go. You can go with them, follow them. The spirit was telling them to go. So many of us must understand that when the spirit is speaking, we must be able to be obedient to it. Well, preacher, how do I know when it's the spirit or if it's myself? Let me give you a little bit of help here with this. When you hear anything, what type of voice it is, tell you to do anything that is positive Regardless if you think it's God or not, just do it. Because if you're doing something that is positive, that is going to help somebody, even if you think it's your flesh, well, it's still going to be good. It's still a good act. It's not going to hurt anything. So even if, ah, oh, no, this, this is me. This is not God telling them to, to go do this. God, I, 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 feel like, I feel like I should buy their groceries. Oh, no, that's me. That's not God. No, you, you know that's God because you don't have it. You, you, you fumbling around for your own groceries. And now you hear something telling you to buy somebody else's groceries? That's, no, that's me. That's me. That's not God. And then you walk out of the grocery store or walk out of wherever it is feeling condemned. Wishing that you would have been a blessing to somebody else. So if it's anything positive, regardless if you think it's you or not, just do it. And let me give you this. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from where? It comes from above. So even if you do good, it's still not your flesh. It's still God. Well, I hope I got everybody's attention over here. Amen. 
Praise God. So even when you do something good, you can't even give yourself credit. It's still God working through you. You know how people have said, uh, I've done my good deed for the day. You didn't do nothing good for the day. That was God moving on you to even do that. So don't ever pat yourself on the back. I've done my good deed. That's like you deserve a ribbon. I'm going to start carrying around ribbons. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start carrying around my back pocket. Just blue participation ribbons. And every time somebody feels like they did something ground, here, take your ribbon. Get your ribbon. Let's see how many ribbons we can collect. Right? No, the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above. So it's still God. It's still God. We can take no credit, no glory. All the glory goes to him. All the glory goes to him. He's the one worthy to be praised. So just act upon it if it's a good deed. Now, if, if, if something negative comes to your mind or you feel like some, uh, uh, slapping somebody or cussing somebody out, that's you. I just taught a lesson one-on-one how to decipher if it's God or you. If it's God or you one-on-one. If you're trying to cuss somebody out, go off on somebody or, or give your peace of mind, that's you, my friend. You cut somebody off, that's you, my friend. You wasn't led by the Spirit to go through that red light. The Lord told me to go. I got to get to church. The Lord said go. I, I, I seen a meme the other day where a cop pulled a, a lady over and uh, he said, uh, young lady, what is in that cup? He, he, she said, oh, this is water, sir. He's, and he said, let me see that, ma'am. He said, no, ma'am, this is red. This looks like wine. She said, oh, Jesus did it again. <laughs> she wasn't led by the spirit. That was her. If I was the cop, I wouldn't even give her a ticket. I said, just go on. Just, just get out of here. Just, just get out of here. <laughs> so so here, here, here's Peter being led by the Spirit into Cornelius' house and in his home. And, 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 and look at what it says here uh, in verse number 23. We're going to skip to verse number 23. It says, then called he them in and lodged them. And on the morrow, Peter went away with them and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And on the morrow, after they entered into Caesarea and Cornelius waited for them and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. Because God knows who to choose, who's got uh, uh, influence in the city influence with others notice Cornelius wasn't in the house by himself but he called his family members and his close friends so now here's Peter with a house full of folks and as Peter was coming in Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him but Peter took him up saying stand up I myself also am a man and he talked with him and he went in and found many that were come together now he's got an audience here folks so the Bible lets us know as we continue to read, he's talking about the story of how things begin to happen and how they were praying at certain times of the day and God begins to deal with them. But then we continue to go on and we drop down to verse number 42. The scripture says, and he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of, judge of quick and dead. To him give all the prophets witness 
that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Now, this is important. The scripture says that whoever believes on him shall receive remission of sins. It does not say you will have remission of sins. It says you shall receive remission of sins, but you must first believe. If you never believe, you'll never receive the remission of sins because remission of sins doesn't happen until you're baptized. So it says you shall receive remission of sins. That's why in the book of Acts, when Peter was preaching, he said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the, for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost doesn't come when you just believe. The Holy Ghost doesn't come when you get baptized. The Holy Ghost comes when God gives it and when you receive it. Amen. Amen. So, and that is proven in the word here. Is everybody still following me in their Bible? Everyone say amen. 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 Parents, please check your, your, your children and make sure they have Bibles in their hand. Uh, and so it says here uh, in verse number 44, while Peter yet spake these words, what happens? The Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, circumcision being the Jews, all those that were there with Peter, which believed, were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How did they understand this? How did they know this? How did they, why were they so astonished? For they heard them speak with tongues. There was an evidence that came, and that's why they were so astonished, because they seen that on Gentiles, non-Jews, they begin to speak with tongues. And so Peter and everybody else with them was amazed. They spoke with tongues and magnified God, because that's what happens when you get the Holy Ghost. You speak with tongues, and then you go hug everybody. You want to know how you magnify God? See how many people you hug after you get the Holy Ghost. Amen. Sister Peggy received the Holy Ghost up here. She hugged like 15 people you know, before she even got back to her seat. Just hugging everybody. Why? Because now you have been filled with a greater power that you know comes from heaven above. Everyone ought to say amen to that. Then the Bible says, and Peter answered, then answered Peter, can any man forbid water? Speaking to his fellow believers that were with him. Can any one of us forbid water for these individuals that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost just like we did? They received it just like we did. So when you talk to people that say that Acts 2, the day of Pentecost, was only for the Jews, it was only for those people, you can take them right here to Acts chapter number 10 and prove that wrong. And this also debunks people that say, well, when they spoke in tongues, they were speaking in a language so that the other people from other countries can understand them. And that's the only reason why they were speaking in that language, so that they can preach the gospel in their language so that they can understand. This story right here debunks that. Because when they began to speak in tongues, they weren't interpreting back to the Jews what they were saying. They were all speaking the same language. They heard them speak in a heavenly language. And Peter said, that's just how we got it right there. Amen. 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 And so they said in verse number 48, and he commanded them to be baptized. How? In the name of the Lord. In Jesus' name.
there are four principles that are on your paper here that I wrote down that we can learn from this story. They are kingdom lift principles. The number one thing is, is to actively seek God. That's what Cornelius did. He actively seeked after God. But I want you to understand something here. In verse number 48, it says, He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then pray they him to do what? That means they wanted more. That's what that means. It bothers me when people strive so hard for the Holy Ghost. They receive the Spirit of God, and then they, they don't continue. So, my friend, you want a kingdom lift in your, in, in your life, in your home? Seek after God, but don't stop seeking after him. Because you can never get enough of him. You must seek after him, and when you receive what you want, keep going for more. And keep going for more. What does Hebrews 11 and 6 talk about? Go ahead. Say, go ahead, brother. Say, say it. Uh-huh. He is a rewarder to them that diligently seek him. He is a rewarder. I'm telling you, my friend, it's not just one reward. It's rewarding continually. As much as you seek after him, that's the more rewards that will come. So if you're not receiving what you need from him, then seek more after him. Ooh, glory be to God. Continue to go. Continue. Actively seek after God. That's what he did. But he kept on wanting more of God. So speak that over your home. Speak that over your life. Lord God, I want my home to be a God first home, but I want it to be an actively seeking God first home. I want my children to continue to go after him. I want my husband, my spouse to continue to go after him. Never stop. You can never hit the ceiling with God. Amen. The second thing I have there is that have a reverence of God. Have a reverence. Here, quickly, quickly, please. Let's go to Psalms. Let's go to Psalms, chapter number 36. Psalm 36. Have a reverence of God. Our world doesn't have a reverence of God. Many homes don't have a reverence of God. Psalms chapter number 36. If you got it, say amen. amen. Psalms 36 starting at verse number one. Look what it says. The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart that there is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flattereth himself in his what? In his own eyes until his iniquity be found to be hateful. That's what he does. Let's go to let's stay in Psalm. Go to, go to chapter number one. Go to the very first chapter of Psalm. Hallelujah. Whew. This is good. Psalm chapter one, starting at verse number one. If you have that, say amen. It says, blessed is the man. Blessed is is the man how many want the blessings of God on your life blessed is the man well here's the key that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the way of sinners nor seats in the seats of the scornful but his delight 
is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the word. And in his law, in the word, does he meditate? How long? Day and night. And what will be the result of that? He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Someone say it's my season. Someone say it is my season. I believe that right now. It's our season, Star City Church. I said it's our season, Star City Church. I'm going to make it personal. It's my season. It's my season to be blessed. It's my season for my family to be blessed. It's my season for my children to be blessed. It's our season for this church to be blessed. It's our season. Amen. He says he should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth, what will happen? It shall prosper. Hallelujah. But we must have a reverence of God. Stop trying to figure out ways to live for God and live for yourself at the same time. You won't be blessed. Not how you should be blessed. You won't be. You wonder why there's not progression in your life. I'm talking naturally and spiritually. It's because you're trying to live your way and God's way all at the same time. Can't happen. We don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Okay? What else do we have here? The third thing, be generous in meeting other people's needs. The Bible says that Cornelius gave alms. Right? He prayed and he gave alms. He was a giver. He was willing to help others. He was willing to go beyond. The scripture says much alms. He just didn't give a little. That means he gave sacrificially. That means sometimes when he could have helped his own self, he decided to put himself aside to help somebody else. I wonder if do we have any peop, anybody in here that's willing to do that every once in a while, to be a help to others, even when you know it can be a help to yourself. Amen. Because I have found that I don't need excess. Mm. Let's, let's let that sink in for a moment. You don't, I don't need excess. But it's interesting how that if I give sacrificially, the Lord will provide excess. He will provide the excess. You don't need the excess. Who I can preach that, but I'm, I'm no, no, no. Don't say come on, because then I'm a, I'm a, I'm a step on too many toes here. I think y'all get what I'm saying. And then of course, what, a, what the last thing? Prayer. Oh, I need some Bible quizzers. Bible quizzers. Bible quizzers. Okay, Bible quizzers. Here we go. Yell it out. Here we go. First Thessalonians five seventeen. Praise God. Uh, I got. I only got one Bible quizzer in here, huh? Sister Dominique's hiding on me back there. She's hiding. You can't hide on me, sister. First Thessalonians 5.17, what does it say? Pray without ceasing. Prayer is important. You want kingdom lift? Follow these kingdom principles. Actively seek God, but continue. Have a reverence of God. Be generous in meeting other people's needs and never stop praying. Because Cornelius had these principles in his life and he was making deposits into his life. Not only did he bless himself, but his entire family and his friends were blessed. You've got to remember that. That as he was praying and fasting and believing, he's been living a lifestyle that even the Jews were impressed with. 
He was favored even among the Jews, even the ones that understood hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Even they looked at him and said, this man is different here. He doesn't even know our custom. He doesn't even have the, the history, the ancestry line that we have of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He doesn't even have it, but this man is impressive. That's why they called him a certain man. This man's impressive here. And he was depositing where? Into the kingdom. Despite his culture, despite his background, despite his upbringing, he understood there's a God somewhere and I'm going to deposit into him because one day I'm going to be able to make a withdrawal. And this was Cornelius' day. And that's why I was teaching and preaching just on Sunday that we got to make deposits in the kingdom because you never know when that withdrawal is going to happen. You never know. You just make those deposits, Cornelius. And now not only you received the Holy Ghost and was baptized, but your entire family and your friends received the Holy Ghost and was baptized all because of one man's discipline. One person's principles. God honored it. Because he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And if you apply these principles, I don't care if you're 8 or 88, I'm telling you, there will be results. You apply these principles and there will be a kingdom lift in your life. Amen? Let's quickly go to the book of Mark together. Chapter number 10. We're going to start at verse number 17. Just look at this here. We see what Cornelius did, correct? Now let's see how this rich young man responds as well. Verse number 17, it says, And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? This young man started out well, didn't he? Just like many of us, we start out well. Our January can be well, but how's your February going to look? Your January is looking good so far, but how's your February 1st going to look? How's your March 1st going to look? Amen? He came to him and said, good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, that is God. Now, this is a twofold statement that I want to teach this principle here right now. Twofold. One principle here is that Jesus was responding to this man and giving an answer that the crowd could understand his mindset and how we should think. Let me explain that. Jesus, God in flesh, was not giving any credit to the flesh. So he was teaching a principle to the crowd that I don't care who you are, what you do, you should never give credit to yourself. Never give credit to this flesh because once this flesh starts boasting up, it's hard to bring back down. Amen. You tell me, you tell me, whoo, that was a good message. That was good this, good that. Well, if I hear that about five, seven times, I'm like, I might need to preach that message next Sunday then, praise God. Our flesh can become puffed up. So Jesus was teaching that principle. There's a flip side to this as well. There's a, a duality. There's a principle as well here because Jesus knew who he was. 
So for him to say, why are you calling me good? There's none good but one. That's God. He knew who he was. He knew he was God manifested in the flesh. He knew who he was. He was also asking the young man, do you realize who you're talking to? Mm, hallelujah. Are you with me? Do you realize who you're asking? Do you realize who you're talking to? You're calling me this good master because as soon as this man uttered the words good master, he was referring to Jesus as God. And so the scripture goes on to say in verse number 19, no, it's verse number 18. Jesus said unto him, why are you calling me good? There's none good but, uh, but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. Then Jesus behold, uh, did I skip something here? In verse 20, and he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus beholding him, he loved him and said unto him, one thing thou lackest. I want you to go your way. I want you to sell whatever you have and I want you to give it to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come, take up your cross and follow me. Bible says in verse 22, and he was sad at that saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. There are four principles here that I have here on the paper that we can take away from this very quick and short story. Interesting the difference between Cornelius and the young man, we don't even know his name. But yet we have one that understood who was a Jew, his custom, can I make it very plain, raised in the church, knows what to do, knows how to act, knows how to live, but not willing to give it all to him. One that was not raised in the church, doesn't know how to act, doesn't know the laws, doesn't understand the culture, but yet he's willing to do anything it takes in order to receive more of Jesus Christ. Because there's a different, both of them had the same opportunity. Hallelujah. One of them seen Jesus face to face and still walked away from the Savior. The other one only heard about a God in heaven and knew that if this God is God, then I've got to humble myself and trust in him. And I believe in him even though I have not seen him. Jesus said out of his mouth, blessed are they that have not seen, but they still believe. You and I here today, we have not seen, but I do, do I have any believers in here? You still believe that there's a God in heaven by the name of Jesus. And one of these days, the life that I live is going to pay off. There's eternal glory. There's an eternal heaven. There's a room. There's a heaven waiting on me. There's a new body waiting on me. Hallelujah. And I'm going to reign with him in a new heaven and a new earth. One seen Jesus face to face and still walked away because he wasn't willing to give it up. He thought he had it. I've done all this stuff since I was a kid. I've been taught this since I was little. But when it comes down to giving it all up, really the very first commandment, he couldn't obey the very first commandment. 
that he's to love the Lord with all his heart, his mind, his soul. He couldn't obey the first commandment, and because he couldn't obey that, therefore all the other commandments were for nothing. If you can't obey the first one, I don't care if you're not stealing, you're not killing, you're not lying, you're not cheating, but if you don't love him and willing to give up everything for him, I don't care how good you are because your righteousness won't get you into heaven. But you got to be willing to lay it all down, take up your cross, and follow after him. Amen? So the first principle is easy. Do not allow pride to disrupt your kingdom purpose. Don't let pride disrupt your kingdom purpose. God could be calling. God could be drawing you to new levels. God could be pulling you into a ministry. Don't let pride stop you. I, I, I feel God right here. I, I need about five spiritual people just to pray with me right now. Because I feel that many of you, God is pulling on you, but you're allowing your own pride. You may not view it as pride, but I'm telling you, my friend, it is pride that is stopping you from moving in the direction that you know God is pulling you into. Oh, glory be to God. You, you know it's God's spirit moving and tugging on you to do something greater, more in the kingdom of God. And you may say, I, 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 I'm not sure, I'm not ready, I'm not, I'm not, all these different things. Uh-uh, my friend, you can't worry about how other people are going to view you. That, you know, that's, that's pride right there. You can't worry about that. Oftentimes, that hinders people's praise. Bentley, God can be telling you right now, I want you to get up, jump, and run. And you like, that's me, that can't be Jesus. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, that's not you. <laughs> But because of you being concerned, well, what are people going to think? God is saying, I'm trying to call you to a deeper level. Don't let pride stop you from your kingdom purpose. Don't, don't let it. It stopped this young man from his kingdom purpose. Because he was more concerned about his riches. He was more concerned about being comfortable in life. I don't, I'm sorry, you can't go deeper in God and still be comfortable. You can't go higher in him and still be comfortable. Amen? So this, the next principle here, allow the love of Jesus Christ to reveal to you what must come out of you. Why do you say that, preacher? Well, let's go back to the Bible. Mark 10. Let's go back to verse number. Let me find it here. Oh, verse number 21. Look, follow me here. Verse 21. You got it? Say amen. Then Jesus beholding him, what did he do? He loved him. He said, there's one thing you lack, though, son. See, you got to understand something. When Jesus telling you not to do something, that's not him hating on you. That's him loving you. When he's telling you to stay away from something, that's his love. When he's trying to pull you away from what you love to get him closer to what he loves, that's his love. Hallelujah. Amen. That's his love saying, uh uh, come on, come on. I, I need you to come on out of that. I need you to stop doing that. When you hear those voices saying, mm, don't, don't, mm -mm, stop that, that's his love. He loved him and told him what he needed to stop doing. He loved him and told him what he lacks. We don't like to hear that. We don't like to hear those truths in our life because the truth hurts. 
right? There's nothing like a joke that is true and other people start laughing. What do you do? You get mad at the people that's laughing. <laughs> you don't get mad at the person that told you. Why are y'all laughing? What's so funny? There's nothing like the truth because it can hurt sometimes. So allow the love of Jesus Christ to reveal to you what must come out. And then the last thing that I want to hit on, the last principle, is never allow what you do for God become more important than what God wants to do with you. Hmm. Listen, oh, go back to Bible again. Verse number 20. And he answered and said unto him, Master, I've done all this stuff. I've been doing all this for you. I teach Sunday school. I sing on the praise team. I play music. I do all these things for you. But what about your relationship with him? Because what you do for him should be only a small thing when it comes to your relationship with him. And I've seen good people that do a lot of things in the kingdom, but they're never even connected to the king. You're in the kingdom, but there's no connection to the king. So are you really in? Because I read in my Bible where Jesus will say in that day, I never knew you. So never, never look at, I'm on, I, I do this, I do that, I usher, I greet, I, I do all, and, and trust me, all these things are a part to make what we do so beautiful and lovely and, and, and welcoming in the house of God. These are all important, but if you never pray, if you never read your word, if you never worship outside of what you do in the kingdom of God, then where's your relationship with the king? How did you get in the kingdom? Your relationship with the king. So when you get in, you got to stay in the kingdom. And how you stay in? You stay connected to the king. Oh, hallelujah. So never allow what you do for God become more important than what God wants to do with you. Because if God is trying to elevate me to the next level, and that means I got to sacrifice some other things that I do for God, then I'm going to sacrifice those things so that my relationship can become better with God. Am I helping somebody here tonight? And I'm telling you, if you apply these principles, no matter who you are, where you are, you will see a lift in your life. There will be a kingdom lift. Why? Because you're making deposits in the kingdom of God. Deposits. Because one day, I'm going to neither withdraw. Let's lift our hands right now unto the Lord. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. Lord, we give you glory. We give you honor. In the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you. I look to you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You're high and lifted up, Lord. You're high and lifted up. Help us, Lord, to apply these principles. Help us, Lord, that we will have a lift in our spirit, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Not my will, but thine will be done. Not my will, but thine will be done. Oh, yes, Lord. High and lifted up in the earth is who you are. 
Help us, Lord, right now. I speak elevation in this church. I speak elevation into the hearts of families. I speak elevation into husbands and wives. I speak elevation into children. In the name of Jesus Christ, there should be separation. There should be a difference from the child of God and from the child of the world. Help us, oh God, to have a lift in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. So go home today, meditate, study a little bit more, take heed to the principles. Because in order to have a lift, a kingdom lift, you must apply kingdom principles. You must apply kingdom principles. And for those of you here in this church that will apply these principles, I'm telling you right now that you will see tangibly the kingdom lift in your life. I've been in this long enough and I've prayed hard enough to where I've said, Lord, I pray that I will teach a series one of these days to where everybody in the church actually takes hold to what I'm teaching. And it doesn't fall on just 20% or 30%. Some people do it. Some people just take this and they ball it up and they throw it in the first trash can they can find. But I say, Lord, I I pray that one of these days, just everyone will say, you know what? I'm going to try this. What what do you have to lose? Your life is where it is right now. Just it's not changing because it won't change until you change something. So what do you have to lose? What, what did the blind men, oh, blind Bartimaeus, what do you have to lose? When the people said, oh, be quiet, he ain't here for you. Jesus, he cried louder. What do I have to lose? I'm either go be blind tomorrow or he go heal me today. <laughs> what do I have to lose? So what do you have to lose if you just apply principles? And I'm telling you, when you apply kingdom principles, you'll get kingdom results. I'm telling you, that's what will happen when you apply kingdom principles. In Jesus' name, someone shout hallelujah.